Okay, so it should say on your outline, uh, the power and glory of giving thanks to God. And I don't just mean that because it's Thanksgiving. I mean it because we actually live in this all year long. Uh, one of the greatest discoveries I ever made in my spiritual life was discovering the power of Thanksgiving. Uh, it's amazing. Um, and so I'll, I'll share a little bit about it as we go. But uh, Thanksgiving, in terms of telling God how grateful we are, but also, here's the other side of it, uh, thanking God for that and anticipation of more. That's the amazing thing about it, right? And uh, sometimes you can even thank God in advance for things. But always thanking God for what you've get, been given and uh, looking for more from that place. It's a very powerful thing. It's called the power of testimony. You could even giving thanks for other people's uh, testimonies and asking God to do the same for you. Ever heard great testimony and thought, oh, if the Lord would just do that for me. Turns out he's more in the mood to do that than you would have, could have ever imagined, than I could have ever imagined. So I'll get to that in a moment. All right, so let's uh, look at our Bibles, look at our outlines. If you have your Bible with you, look at the very top of the page. It says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And that's a, a quote uh, from 1 Thessalonians and from Romans 8. I just want to read the whole context of 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in how many circumstances? all circumstances, and then it says something very interesting. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So have you ever prayed and said, Lord, I want to know what your will is for me? Well, there's many things that could be God's will, but here's one of them. Thanks in all circumstances. Oh, that seems a little challenging. Even that divorce I had, even that situation where I'm not feeling so great in my body. By the way, wasn't that cool, all those testimonies of people being healed? That was amazing. There's some... Serious stuff out there, too. That was uh, not just a little cold here and there, although I love being healed of colds. So anyway, that's amazing. Uh, so First uh, Thessalonians uh, 5, and let me just uh, read, I'm going to read both, I'm going to read verses 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Boy, evidently, this is a pretty triumphant lifestyle we're supposed to be living, right? Rejoicing, giving thanks, praying continually. So praying continually is also a part of this constant communication with the Lord, right? So it's God's will for us. And one of the biggest reasons why it's God's will for us is when you came to Jesus, you came under new ownership. The world doesn't know much about these things, but we do. We're under new ownership. That means new authority, new blessing. New possibilities, no matter what you've been through or where you've been. No matter where you are now and where you, you want to be, God has this amazing way of bridging those two. So that's why we can be thankful. That's why if you track enough your thanksgiving in your life, you find out how blessed you really are. Part of living in thanksgiving is to pay attention to the blessing God's been giving you already. Right? It gets better than that as we go, you'll see. Right? But it's really, that's one part of it. So we're not just religious people. We are loved, and we become lovers because we're loved. And that's a very, very important. We're absolutely changed in our motives and appetites by the Lord himself. 1 John 4.19 says, We love, why? Because he first loved us. So when you're in touch with how much God loves you, then you also begin to love other people, right? It's a very powerful concept, so incredibly simple, but so incredibly important. I think when you lose touch of God's love for you, you begin to have some real severe breakdowns in your relationship with the Lord. Because it's the motive, it's the thing that keeps you responding in love toward other people. It melts your heart, so to speak. And there's more than you could ever imagine. Once you begin to pay attention to what God's really given you and be thankful for it, it's amazing how that percolates on the inside and rearranges your inside and how you begin to see more and uh, believe more uh, in your life. Colossians 3, uh, 15 to 17. I love this passage as well. Let the peace of God let me, rule in your heart, since as members of one body you are called to peace. I like that. Peace is the word shalom. It's a big word. It's not just peace like I'm calm. It's peace... A blessing on every part of my life. 
There's peace over my finances. There's peace over my health. There's peace over my children. There's peace in my marriage, right? And be thankful. So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. As just, and it seems like, interesting thing uh, uh, about that passage, it seems like it, we have something to do with that. It's not that just this is just going to settle on us, you know. Sometimes we just, you know, think that that's going to happen, you know. But actually, it has something to do with us. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let him in. So there's something about receiving on that side, right? There's something about this give and take with the Lord. We do things and God does things. And we are both giver and a receiver, right? Since as members of one body you were called to what? Shalom, peace, which is a big word. It's not just inner peace. The, the Hebrew word shalom means peace in your finances, peace in anything that needs rest, anything that needs comfort, anything that needs God. It's a big word. So when you say shalom to each other, you're saying, God bless your family, God bless your finances, God bless your, your health, right? I love that word so much. So not only just inner peace, but calm in every area of your life. And then he says this, and be thankful, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell in, among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. That's just what we were just doing. That's why it feels so good, because the presence of the Lord shows up when you do that. right? And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Well, that's pretty big. Let's go over that again. Uh, how many things would be whatever you do? And whatever you do, wow, whether in word or deed, that pretty well covers everything, right? Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks as you do it to God the Father through him. Wow, through who, who him? Through Jesus, through, through the peace that God gives us, through, through Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for us on the cross. These are wonderful statements. And you look in the scripture and you see how much God likes Thanksgiving. And uh, we kind of concentrated at one time of the year, but I don't. And I think even in our church, we've made this a real staple of our diet around here, a real pillar. Because Thanksgiving leads to so many things, much more than I ever realized. Just uh, that uh, gratitude in our hearts and expressing Thanksgiving as well. And so this was on Jesus' heart. And so Jesus is doing signs and wonders and miracles and these things. But very interesting, we see this passage in Luke 17. We see this part of his heart here. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He thanked, uh, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Now, there was this huge rift. I guess our culture wouldn't know anything about rifts between races or, or between peoples. <laughs> we have a few rifts going on in the world, right? So let's, well, here's one. Take the Palestinian conflict, right? Jews and Arabs. How about that one? So, in this case, Samaritan Jew, right? Look at this. And he was a Samaritan. So a bunch of people get healed, but only one came back and thanked this Jewish person, Jesus, for healing him. Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one turned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go well. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. So he, it was like a bookend. The front part was, Go show yourself to the priest, which they could have been terribly offended at. Why didn't you just wave your hand over me? Just pray over me. No, go show yourself to the priest. Well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> right? I thought he was going to heal me. Matter of fact, one, more than one person in the Bible said, well, I thought he was just going to wave his hand over me. So even with regard to miracles, this scripture helps us understand something. There's sometimes your part in it. Your faith is always involved. And something as simple as going, show yourself to someone, right? Which might have felt a little bit ridiculous, you know, because you have to believe to do this. You have to have a faith to actually go show yourself when you're not well yet, right? And of course, the priests weren't very excited at seeing a leper, right? <laughs> no, stay away, stay away. You could see. That's exactly what they did probably, right? But I got to show you something. Uh, okay, what, what? Whoa. 
you're okay. <laughs> you can see that whole dynamic, right? But Jesus specifically said, we're not all ten cleansed, we're the other nine. Has no one returned to give thanksgiving, give praise to God, except this person? So Jesus noticed this. It's a big deal in heaven. A big deal. Now I want to just keep talking on another level. It's a big deal not only because it's polite. And your mama told you to say thanks, and your dad taught you to say thank you. It's bigger than that, especially with regard to God. A grateful heart is a fruitful heart. Powerful miracles happen out of this place. For one thing, just simply put, uh, if you have something that's bad enough that's happened to you, maybe a serious illness, maybe a divorce, maybe something else, sometimes it's very hard to say thank you. Matter of fact, it's hard to say give thanks because that one thing can affect your entire life. So to be able to be thankful to God despite something that hasn't showed up in terms of a miracle yet is a very powerful expression of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So thanksgiving plays a real part in this and a, a very powerful part. And it's so simple, isn't it? To keep ourselves in that place, to just say thank you. I mean, it's simple in the sense of saying it. Sometimes it's simple to do it because you feel depressed, maybe you even feel like God gave up on you. The thing we call salvation is a very relational issue. One of the first things we teach our kids in their relational skills is how to say thank you and how to appreciate, uh, how to express appreciation. <laughs> I just love it. I can just hear this in my mind. You know, my kids, when they first started, started saying thank you, it's always like this thank you. <laughs> That's like music to your ears. And they're so cute. Two or three years old. Thank you. <laughs> Isn't it? Well, I think in God's ears, it's the same. Maybe even more dramatic than we know. Thank you. You know, and we think of ourselves sometimes as all grown up or whatever, but compared to God and His presence and the Spirit and the actual reality of things, we're just little kids running around, right? So He likes to hear us say thank you. It's a relational thing. The sacrifices of the Old Testament forecast the atoning death of Jesus, turning the state of alienation between God and man. The sin and burnt offerings, these are sacrifices they actually did with animals. The sin and burnt offerings, which covered sin, were later fulfilled in Jesus Christ's, Jesus Christ's offering on the cross. So these things that happened in advance with these offerings in the Old Testament uh, people, who actually with these sacrifices would cover a person's sin, they would sacrifice an animal, and the blood would be shed to cover their sins. So they had various kinds of offerings that they would use for that. But one of the offerings was interesting. It was called a fellowship or a thank offering. There was another kind of sacrifice called fellowship offerings, or we could even call them peace offerings, that declared the beauty of our fellowship and communication with God. Included in these offerings were the thanksgiving offerings, which acknowledged God's mercies to the one presenting the offerings. In later Judaism, the thanksgiving offering came to be valued as the highest type of of sacrifice. And the Thanksgiving offering wasn't just going to the priest and saying, thanks God, you actually brought something as an expression of your appreciation. Just like people do today. They bring expressions of their appreciation. Somebody did something nice for you and you bring them something. Maybe you know, some food or maybe you bring them a present or a gift or something. So that's sort of the idea. But this was all foreshadowed in great detail, great detail, uh, in the Old Testament writings. That's where the Old Testament foreshadows the New. Foreshadow means pay, they're, they're talking about something that's out to be have another reality uh, in the future. And through Jesus, many of these things, rituals and offerings and things, were fulfilled in Him, not the least of which, Jesus dying on the cross and giving Himself as an offering, a sacrifice, as for many, many years, sacrifice of animals, but He became the ultimate sacrifice. And the sacrificial animal was able to take away the sins. You would confess your sins as you gave this animal, and that would cover uh, your sin. And so it was all foreshadowing something great, something magnificent. That would be the Lamb of God who would come and shed blood for us, right? So appreciation is the key to any relationship. Without appreciation, one to the other, there's no relationship. Matter of fact, this is where many relationships break down, many marriages break down. One or the other party doesn't feel appreciated. And it's painful. Very, very painful. You can say it easily enough. 
we need to be appreciated. But when you're not feeling appreciated, it's one of the most wounding things you can experience. And I think i got to just apply this to the Lord himself. When we aren't appreciative, there's something that goes wrong in our relationship with the, with the Lord. We warm each other's hearts with, with appreciation. We also warm the heart of the Lord's heart with appreciation. And we see again another one of these magnificent parables or stories in uh, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 uh, to 50. Um, now, I'm just going to read this. This is a, uh, I call it the parable of the sinful woman, um, or there's other names, but uh, this is very powerful. Look, look at this. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Probably, by the way, very, very expensive uh, perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, "Is this man? If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus picked up on that. He answered him, Simon, I, I have something to tell you. <laughs> tell me, teacher. <laughs> Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So this preludes this wonderful thing we call Christianity, that we accept Jesus' sacrifice. We thank him for what he's done. And then he says over us, your faith is saved, you go in peace. You see, it takes faith. It takes something on the inside to believe that actually what Jesus did, even all those years ago, was for us. For us, not just generally, not just for a certain kind of person, but for anyone. The worst sinners of all, no certain kind of race, no certain kind of individual, just all of us are in the same place. And it's the same every time your faith has saved you. But interestingly enough, as an expression of faith, one of the things that's highlighted here that God calls faith is thanksgiving, thanking, appreciating. So you see in God's economy of things, it's very, very important. And I think that we think about worship. I think of coming to church. We think of the various things that we do. You don't have to come to church. You get to come to church. One of the biggest reasons why you come to church is to appreciate Jesus. He's the one that said not to forsake our gathering together. Why? Because he likes his family. It's becoming Thanksgiving. How many of you like to be apart from your children and your family on Thanksgiving? You would rather have them there if at all possible, or Christmas, right? This is where we feel it. Why? Why? Because you love them. And there's appreciation there that's expressed when the family gathers. We remember who we are as a people. We remember uh, who we are and dad and mom and the sisters and brothers. We remember our past. We, there's Thanksgiving. There's powerful. And we're going to do that around the table in just a little while, right? But God really, really, really likes appreciation. If we say it that way, it even puts it in a little different frame, right? I appreciate you. Everybody likes to feel appreciated. Whole marriages dissolve because one person didn't feel appreciated by the other for a long enough time. And what do we feel with our own children when they do that snotty nose thing? Whether it's five or whether they're 15 or whether they're 30. Right? What do we feel? You know, right? What do they feel toward us when we do the same and we don't appreciate their, their progress? There's not a child alive 
but doesn't like it when their parents are here watching them do some little thing. Whether it's a baseball game or something they've done, some little art they've done. So appreciation is a big deal relationally. It comes right from the throne room of God, right to the place where we appreciate what Jesus did for us. How he died on the cross for us as he rose for the dead and made it possible for us to have a relationship with God. And it's a big deal, too, because on the other end of that, salvation is not only eternity, but things in this life. Matter of fact, made it so that we can actually come and give thanksgiving and in the part of that prayer. Remember the first part of the prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? That's part of the Lord's prayer that he taught us to pray. That's appreciation. Thank you, Father. Holy is your name. You are very special. We, I really appreciate you. And then you sing, you say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which is sort of a veiled way, unless you understand the words, uh, of saying, Lord, bring your authority into my life. Lord, I'm sick. Your kingdom come. My family is having a hard time right now. Lord, your kingdom come. My finances aren't doing well. That even comes later in the prayer. Lord, give me this day my daily bread. But thy kingdom come. The kingdom means government, the rule of God. So when the rule of God comes, when anything's messed up or backwards, when you say, Lord, bring your kingdom, you're ta- asking him to bring his authority and rule into this situation. And in that Lord's prayer is this sense of grace and thanksgiving. So this uh, openness to the throne room is a very, very powerful thing. And, um, and so as we see through the scriptures, we're going to see this over and over in various passages and ways, Old Testament and New Testament. Look down at uh, Psalm 100, verse 4. Thanksgiving and praise enhance the closeness and presence of God. And um, maybe you felt far away from God. I tell you, as you develop this habit of giving God thanks and little things and big things, you'll be surprised at the presence of the Lord. You don't have to come to church. You get to come to church. Because part of what you're doing is thanking Him for what He's done for you. Coming to gather like this in Jesus' name and express appreciation for Him is a very powerful thing to God, but it's also a powerful thing to other people as they hear your thanksgiving and, of course, to yourself. Right? So we see Psalm 100. Um, uh, I'll read verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So in the Old Testament sense, they would go to the temple to ask God for things, to be cleansed of their sin and so on. And so there were gates and courts, right? For you're starting a little farther off, then you get closer and closer. So he says, well, here's how you start. You enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, like we did with the worship. So the worship is not just a warm-up for the message or for anything else. It is the message. That's why we take a long time to worship. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. We give thanks to him and we praise his name, right? And so from that space, then, you can also ask. You can actually do business. Lord, forgive me for this. Lord, I need that. Have mercy on me here. But there's a little protocol. It's almost like putting salt on your food, if you like salt on your food, or some seasoning, right? Certain kinds of food don't taste good without a certain kind of sauce, right? So this makes the food taste good. This makes taste the offering taste good to God, but back to us, this answered prayer. I believe that Thanksgiving has a tremendous amount to do with answered prayer. I really do. You might want to think about that. Because when we're talking about prayer, we're talking about just not trying... You know, I, I've seen this in Asia so much. I as I've done so much ministry there. And one of the first things that uh, really, really got me was how religious uh, these people were. And, and when I got to the Himalayas, it was crazy. You would watch these monks, and they would, like, walk five feet, fall on their face, get up again, walk five feet, and they would do this for miles. And they'd, like, shake some things and twirl some things, you know. And they're doing all of this that, so that something up there supernatural would have mercy on them. Because everybody... No matter who you are, no matter how sophisticated you are, no matter how poor you are, no matter what nationality you are, knows inside they need God. They need someone supernatural, something beyond them, right? It's amazing how much work they'll go through to go to have access. But the Bible says for us, enter his gates with what? 
thanksgiving, and its course with praise. So when you do this together or privately, you enter into a special place with the Lord. And it's analogous to the Old Testament sanctuary where there was a protocol that you would take as you entered, right? As you came into the presence of the Lord with the priests ministering. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I've had people come to me all day. I just got to find out what God's will is for me. You know, I know what they mean. You got a hard decision to make. But there's some decisions you can make before that big decision about God's will. Well, here we go. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Uh, How many circumstances would that be? So even the hard ones that are hard to say thank you for. Matter of fact, it doesn't even make sense sometimes. How, How do I say thank you for this horrible situation? Well, he's not saying necessarily thank you for something terrible happening to you, but thank you, God, that you got this. Thank you that this hasn't gone unnoticed in heaven. Thank you that I am not alone. Well, the hardest things to experience in life, no matter who you are, no matter what age you are, is to feel alone. I remember when I first went away to college, you know, a thousand miles from home. One of the biggest things about it was the door shut, the parents drove off, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm, I don't know anybody here. I'm, I'm, I'm alone. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and we get in those spaces for other reasons. Maybe we get sick in our body. When you get sick in your body, especially if it's severe enough, it's amazing how alone you can feel, right? How alone. But the Bible says here, try this. Rejoice always. Uh, how often? Uh, always. Pray continually. Even if you don't feel like it, right? Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances because you may not know why you're sick. You may not know why this is happening to you. But for sure, if you want to know what God's will is, give thanks. (laughs) Pray continually. Rejoice always. Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Why is that? Because he he likes to see you squirm, you know. Because he knows that when you do those things, you release faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. When you do these things, even when you come to church like this, When you come together in this place, it's a faith expression. You know, I don't even feel good when I come in here sometimes, you know. I'm not just trotting in here happy, you know. You know, all of us face stuff. Matter of fact, the enemy makes sure of it. He tries to make sure you just do not make it to a place to praise God with other people, right? Because he knows the power of this rejoicing, praying continually, giving thanks in all circumstances. Because what happens, the moment you start doing that, you put the devil's agenda on edge. It begins, he doesn't like this place. And it interrupts a cycle. And pretty soon faith begins to erupt in your heart. And with faith, it's impossible. Without faith, it's impossible. Please, God, when you start believing God for something different than your circumstances, you're on their way to, to a miracle. Matter of fact, it's interesting to see the very next line says, Do not quench the spirit. Don't quench the spirit of God inside of you, the spirit that's living on the inside of you. So when you know Jesus, you have your the spirit, you have you're a partner with God, and he's literally living on the inside of you. So it's good to have what's inside of you happy with what's outside of you. You're in fellowship together, right? And there's a joy about it. There's a joy about it. That's why he says rejoice always. There's a joy about heaven because heaven's always smiling. Heaven's not in a bad mood. They're up there okay. They don't like to judge. They don't like to have things judged on the earth, but there's a sense of fairness and equity for all of us. Sometimes the judgment comes and trial, the tribulation comes. But for Christians, it's different. This is a great scripture. God causes all things to work together for our good. Isn't that amazing? And rejoicing, giving thanks, plugs us into the reality of that's what's really happening and gets us, I believe, to the end of our trials faster because we see what God's doing. And instead of getting in the way and creating more trials for ourselves, we start cooperating. As a pastor for many years, rabbit trail, rabbit trail, I can hear it coming. Okay, I'm going to shut it down, but i got to say this. You can just feel yourself, I'm beginning to be the bunny, you know. <laughs> but as a pastor for many years, <laughs> I've just watched a lot of people, you know, do things. And a lot of people get in trouble. And then I've watched a lot of people get in trouble and make it absolutely worse. You know, and just when you think that they understand that this is the way you swim out of this trouble... They go the exact wrong direction because they lost hope. They stopped this 
process of rejoicing in all things because God's looking after you. He proved he's a good God by shedding blood for you on the cross and then proving he was God by resurrecting from the dead. You would expect that someone that dies for you, cares for you that much, and sheds blood for you, would have your best interests in mind. Right? He had to do something, though, to prove that he really was God. So he resurrected, proving that he had authority in all realms, but also in your life, right? Now, I want to look at Roman numeral 4. This is very powerful, and I've, I learned this uh, in a whole new way a few years ago. And I've been, I, I, I don't think I've ever shut up about it since. But you see on Roman numeral 4, it's very powerful. And I, I learned this from Bill Johnson and reading some of his writings. And um, just the, I knew it already, but they just crystallized so clearly. So this is what he said. He said, Thanksgiving, oh, wait a minute. I'm just going to say it this way. Thanksgiving and appreciation are directly connected to breakthrough in your life. In other words, you need a breakthrough in a particular area. So Thanksgiving and appreciation are directly connected, as I've been saying. So here's how he put it. How you remember your last miracle is how you face your next problem. And that's very, very powerful. I'll, I'll say it again. And, if, and as you begin to get the hang of this, uh, you, you are going to have another realm of thanks in your life. You're going to realize, wow, I have the keys right there in my heart and in my mouth to get out of this situation. Why is that? Because you're connected as a believer to heavenly things. And heavenly things can move the furniture around when you can't. But there's a protocol and there's a way that this works, right? Out of And it's purely on relationship. And this thing, this pesky thing that God seems to like, it's called faith, right? Called faith. So I want to just read from Psalm 106, verses 7 to 15, and see what you catch out of this, all right? When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles they did not remember your many kindnesses. They're tromping around in the desert. They didn't know. They're, they knew they were on their way to blessing, but they got tired. They knew they had been delivered from slavery. They knew they were on to their own promised land. But the in-between time, which is the time that we always lose things, the in-between time when we're out of in trouble and on our way to blessing, it's that area that has to be negotiated. It's like we're going to the goal line. Many of you are going to watch football today, right? And there's a goal line. But between you and that goal line is always this stuff. And if there wasn't that stuff, it wouldn't be entertaining, would it? So I'm not sure who gets entertained with our troubles. Maybe the angel's looking in. Maybe they got some popcorn watching the whole thing. And especially when we score a touchdown. I'm not sure. That's uh, Mike's unabridged dis- dictionary or thesaurus. But anyway, who knows? But when our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses. So they couldn't remember what had happened before, but that was going to be the food that they needed to get through this situation and on into what? More blessing, not less, more. And they rebelled by the sea, (laughs) the Red Sea. They had it when they got to the Red Sea. They're backed up, you know, so Moses just parts it for them, right? And, And then God parts it for them, right? Yet he saved them for his namesake to make his mighty power known. So despite their rebellion, despite their anger, Despite their uh, uh, distraction, he saved them for his name's sake to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe, from the hand of the enemy. He redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. Now listen to this. Here's the key thing. But they soon forgot what he had done. So this is the key right here. Don't remember anything else. Do not forget what God's done recently or in the past. We have this habit of doing this and did not wait for his plan to unfold. So what happened was the Red Sea parts, they go through a journey, they're going back in and now they're going to go to the promised land. But along the way, that wasn't the first first and only problem they had. They had other problems including when they were right about to get into the land to inherit this amazing blessing, they found out there was going to be some resistance. Could I just say that to you? Before you enter into something amazing, sometimes you find your worst resistance. And at that point, what happens is you think that God deserted you, that God's not interested in the blessing anymore. So they came and they found out there's giants in the land. This beautiful land that they've been seeking so long, they've been a slave nation for so long, 
But they didn't think that there would be any resistance. They think, well, finally it's over. All of our problems are gone. But they find out these people had weapons and they were going to have to fight for it. So they forgot how the Lord had actually parted the Red Sea, killed all the Egyptians. They thought, well, these Canaanites, they're just too big, too strong. You know, that was something over there, but what about today? What about today? That's exactly what I'm talking about. You need to connect yesterday with today. Absolutely. This is where miracles live. And they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the desert they gave into their craving. In the wilderness they put God to the test. So he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease among them. In other words, and here's a key passage in the Bible, without faith it's impossible to please God. That's a powerful thing. I'll just say it again. Without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please him. So that's why you're in these situations. And so while we're in those situations, it's so important that we control the tenor of our heart, the tenor, that's a bad word, control the atmosphere of our heart, the sense of where we're at. And Thanksgiving is very, very powerful. And thing is, without Thanksgiving, we forget how God delivered us. And those things that we were delivered from are the ammunition, so to speak, the faith that we need to face the next thing. We remember how he got us through this so that we can face the same thing. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So while we're on this earth, there's always going to be trouble, always going to be things. This isn't heaven yet. So somehow we forget, but we have to go back to that place and believe once again and trust the Lord. That's a very powerful phrase I just said there. I said it so quickly, but it's one of the most dramatic passages of the whole Bible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know what that brings? <laughs> Whoa. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So it's easy to please God when everything's good, but what about when things aren't so good? Then he says, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So what he's looking for is trust, belief. And faith is often spelled not just by a state of mind, but also it has to do with the way we act in circumstances. And also has to do with what we confess with our mouth. That's why Thanksgiving is so important. Thanksgiving helps us to remember the miracle that we've had in the past. So we can take that and pay it forward in the miracles ahead, right? So Psalm 106.13 said, But soon they forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. I'm going to just comment on this for a moment. So they forgot the past miracles and stuff. But there's also something else here, this thing. And I call these wisdom paths. You might hear me talk about this a lot. I notice in my walk with the Lord when I'm trying to get through a problem or situation, there's a plan that begins to unfold, a wisdom path. God shows me what the next step is. He may not show me the end of it. For you business guys, this is very helpful. In some of your deepest trials and deepest troubles with business problems, the answer is there. It's just that it may not have all the answers. So what you have to do is walk a little path of faith and thanksgiving and gratefulness and walk with God through that thing and walk out of the problem. Not blast out of it. We like to be blasted out. We like that plan. Seven times you get blasted out. But usually there's a culmination of steps, and I call it a wisdom path. You know, he says they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. So he had a plan when they're looking at the Red Sea and an army chasing them. What was the plan? Whoosh, separate the waters, in you go. Okay, that was a more immediate plan. But then there was the other plan where they had to walk through the wilderness, stay faithful to God. Then they had to fight for every inch of territory from there on. They didn't like that plan so good, right? But that was the plan. They did not wait for his plan to unfold. Well, when they actually began to do that, what happened? Well, if you go to Jericho today, you see what happened. Very cool. Go to present-day Jericho. Man, walls came down. You can see the evidence of it, the archaeological evidence of it. <laughs> they march around. Can you imagine what you were going through your mind as you're a warrior, you know? Maybe you have a confidence to face this thing, right? Jericho was a huge citadel, by the way, in ancient terms, right? So he says, you know, what I'd like you to do is march around this a few times and give some praise. <laughs> Blow the horns, go home, <laughs> do it again tomorrow, do it again. And then the last day, let's go about seven times. Now, I don't know about you, but if it was me, I probably would have felt like, this is really stupid. Why am I doing this? This is ridiculous. Well, God doesn't really care about your opinion on things like that. Matter of fact, we have this opinion of how, and this is what gets us in trouble, how this thing should work out. We got it all worked out. You know, we're pretty smart, you know, okay, so if we just do this and this and then this, and then you do this and this and it doesn't work out. And you're going, oh my gosh. Then you did it, did it, did it. Oh, 
You know what I mean? So it doesn't always work out. Sometimes God has you in this place where you just have to wait. But here's the key. They soon forgot what he had done. They couldn't remember anything that he had done in the past. So they didn't have any fuel for this fight, right? They couldn't remember any good thing God done for them, right? But also, they did not wait for his plan to unfold. In other words, they had to trust without having it all figured out in advance. So in our problems, many times, God doesn't figure it out, get, doesn't give us the information in advance. Everybody in this room is probably in a situation that has not been figured out yet. So it's important to understand this is actually a normal part of life. What's abnormal is not waiting on God, not believing in God, trusting in God, not remembering. And what helps you to wait or to even navigate to make a good decision is what God did for you in a past decision. So all those miracles and memories you have, they serve as, little, like, uh, as memories, ammunition, so to speak, for your next miracle that you need. So hopefully over time you develop enough of that ammunition that not much intimidates you. And I think that should be the goal for all of us, that not much att uh, 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 affects us. Because we've been thanking God, we're stayed in that place of appreciation, so we're aware of Him. And we're aware of the things that happened in the past that we got way through, and we let those things that happened in the past help us for the future. And that's the way the kingdom is designed. Now look at 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Look what he says. Rejoice always. This is the verse before, two verses before. Pray continually. Okay. That's a nice recipe. And then give thanks in all circumstances. How, how many circumstances? What kind of circumstance? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, how in the world am I going to give thanks in some circumstances that seem so stinky, so horrible? How can I do that? Well, think of it this way. It's not that uh, God doesn't understand that you're in trouble. He's just giving you the key and the way out. He's showing you the way out. Because with thanksgiving and praise comes wisdom sometimes, or sometimes the thing just moves. It just moves. All the Israelites did when they were going around that fort like that is praising God. Then the walls fell down. Right? Sometimes it's a little more subtle. That Sometimes there's wisdom that's deposited. Oh, that's the way to do it. You suddenly get the answer. Or maybe something suddenly moves. It was stuck, but now for some strange reason it's, it's not there anymore. So I think that we should apply all the wisdom we have to a situation. But the one thing you can't do you can't panic and you can't get angry at God. Fear and anger don't help solve any problems. I wish I could say, I say that to myself every day. Now, this is not going to help. Not gonna help. Then I go right back into it. But I'm trying to learn not to do it. Now remember, now remember, now remember. I, I'm trying, and, uh, and it's a process over time, but you, you go through enough times like this, you begin to get the hang of this a little bit, right? Some of us have been stuck for an awful long time because we've been stuck at the point of thanksgiving and praise and, and giving the thing to God. We, we're offended, actually, at God, or we're offended at our circumstances. We wouldn't want to say we're offended at God because we know we're not supposed to do that. But it all works out the same. You're just mad. Well, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at God. I'm not at anybody. I'm just mad or upset or I'm stuck. But you're really mad at God. Let's just quit playing around. Well, why wouldn't you be mad at God? Like that, he could change the whole thing. I believe in God. I believe he's so powerful. He could save me. He's going to save me when I die, and I'm going to go to heaven. So I don't know why he hasn't moved this stinking thing. <laughs> right? That's what we feel on the inside, right? But we have to trust him, right? So giving thanks in all circumstances softens my troubles and releases my faith. Thanksgiving helps me remember my unique standing and testimonies with God, not verbally, not only verbally, but emotionally. So I pay forward my past victories into the new problem and find the faith and grace of God to wait for his uh, plan to unfold. Amen? So as we look at Psalm 50, and we're coming to the end here, um, I love this psalm so much. <clears throat> Notice the connection of Thanksgiving and breakthrough in Psalm 50. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses there, right? Sacrifice thank offerings to God. This is verse 14. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will 
honor me. So the thank offering was very specific. It was offering a certain animal, and you do it so it cost you something financially because of an agrarian culture. And uh, so you would bring this animal, and, and which was money, and you would sacrifice that uh, to the Lord and uh, get right with him, too. Just anything that was wrong. And just, but thank God for all the blessing you've already received. But then he connects it. I just think this is so interesting. Sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High. And then he says, next line, and call on me on the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. So you honor him with your thanksgiving. And then God delivers you. Right? Pretty simple process. Call on me on the day of trouble. I will honor you and you will honor me. So when you sacrifice thank offerings, offerings, you're prepared, right, to call on the Lord in the day of trouble. And I think that's so cool. And then look at uh, verse uh, 23. Those who sacrifice thank offerings honor me, and to the blameless I will show my salvation. So there's an honoring there. There's something that we give to God. And God likes worship and honor. That's why it feels so good when we worship it. Not only do we like it, but God likes it. And that's why we do it. That's why we come to church. That's why we gather together. The first thing is not just for the people or because it feels good or because worship's good or because it's because we come to honor God. And it means something to come to honor God in the heavens, in the economy of things. It's a big deal. It's not about you. It's about Him first. But as we see in the economy of God, one of my favorite passages, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, right over. It's the key to the universe. You sow and you reap. Harvest time is that way. Many things in the Lord are that way. And learning how to do this uh, in the Lord and the simplicity of faith and love and, and thanksgiving. And I just say, underline thanksgiving, because it's very much a part of this whole process, as is worship. Worship, prayer, and thanksgiving are a beautiful recipe for the presence of God and breakthrough in your life. Then I'll finish with this passage in Acts chapter 16. So it's this wonderful story about Paul and Silas in prison. And guess what they're doing in prison? Uh, how many of you know that prisons of that time and prisons of this day, especially in third world countries, are not pleasant places? They're chained to the floor probably, sitting there on a concrete floor. About midnight, what are Paul and Silas doing? They've probably been flogged as well. They had, actually, we know, because they, eventually what happens at the end of this is the, the guy that's in charge of the, the uh, jail heals, puts stuff on their, their wounds. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sir, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And so they baptized this guy. And the next day there was this big uproar and they're begging Paul to go now, right? And uh, he says, you want to get rid of us so easily? No. Let, you guys come in here and get us yourself and escort us out. Now he's showing off, right? So the officers reported this to the magistrates. And when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, now they're really alarmed. And they escort them out of town. Thank you. Please leave. Please. Thank you very much. But something powerful happened there. They're worshiping in the midst of their horrible pain. There was a famous book written not long after the Spirit started being poured out powerfully in the 60s and 70s. It's called Prison to Praise. So maybe some of you read that. Very, very... Uh, it's, it's Praise to Prison. <laughs> prison to Praise. Why did he say... Why did he call it Praise to Prison? No, Prison to Praise. Okay. You go in prison, you praise God, and you get out. Okay, good. I got it. All right. But anyway, and then Paul, who wrote Philippians, says this, and I, I suppose uh, in Philippians... This is sort of in the background of the whole thing. Um, put up Philippians chapter 4, verses uh, 4 to 9. And we'll finish with this. Rejoice in the Lord always. How, how, how many times? I will say it again. Rejoice. So, like, this is just one expression of rejoicing that could go on all the time. 
But rejoicing, singing, honoring the Lord with your voice like that, worshiping, is so powerful. It does something in the heavens. It's saying, I see this, this, and this, but I see something else bigger. Really what you're saying. And you know what? Demons and angels both know the real score in your life. And they're all tabulating this, right? Let your gentleness be evident to all. Another way to say that is let your forgiveness or forbearing spirit, in other words, the the way that you let people off the hook. Because the Bible says forgive and you'll be forgiven. So one of the fastest ways to get off the hook or in trouble in your life is make sure you're forgiving somebody else for what they've done to you. I've seen people stuck for years in this place to finally go, okay, I forgive such and such. I let them go. God will help you do that, by the way, because you need God's help. But see, the thing is, if God's for it, and you say, God, please help me to be more forgiving or forgive that person. You think God's going out there, no, I ain't helping you. I'm going to do nothing. <laughs> no. He'll help you along. He'll help you. I say, now you're talking. Yeah, I'll be glad to help you with that. You know, a little kid comes up to you, little children, you know, your children. I can't quite do this, Daddy. Could you please help me? You might say, well, keep trying. I think you need to keep working at that. I think if you keep trying, you'll figure it out. And then if you can't figure it out, eventually, guess what? Dad comes in and helps. So this is just normal parenting, Right? Let your dinners be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now listen to this. Here's a great. Do not be anxious. See, when you do this lifestyle, rejoice in the Lord always, rejoice. When you're forbearing, kind, forgiving toward other people, right? You're gentle. The Lord is near. No, that's not. We do that because as we want to be treated, we get treated. Can I say that again? As we treat others, we get it back in return. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, how? How do you get rid of anxiety? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, I want to just say something about this. Because maybe some of you never thought that scripture, seen that scripture at all. You never, you never noticed it. This isn't like presto, magic, wave, wand. It's a habit. It's a lifestyle. In other words, it takes a little practice in this, right? If, especially if you're new to this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So when you first begin to do this, it gets a little hard. In some situations, it's harder to say than others. Because some situations are more devastating, more difficult than others. Right? So you, you sort of practice at this. You, you learn the art of this. Walking with God is art. It's creative. It's changing. It's fluid. It's full of expression on both sides. But I say it another way, it's the art of sonship. It's the art of relationship. And the art of relationship is a little different than science and things that are cold, hard facts. We dwell in a different area, right? We dwell in the spiritual. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So once you get the hang of this, you don't worry so much. You get in a situation, you say, Lord, thank you for this situation to prove how great you are again. And I just want to thank you in advance that you're going to help me in this situation because you are an absolute good God. So when you get in that space with your problems, guess what? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, over time, and sometimes immediately, but over time, especially as you do this more and more and learn to do this, things don't ruffle you the way they used to. You don't lose your temper the way you used to. You don't get terrified the way you used to do. Things don't scare you. One of the biggest problems in our culture right now is there's just so much fear saturating everything. Run from fear. <laughs> run toward being brave. Run, run toward the love of God. Because perfect love casts out fear. No matter what's going on in the world, whatever's going on in your world, God's loving you there to help you. And this is part of the glory of giving thanks because when you do that and you give thanks to God, even, thanks to God, even in a situation like that, you take the teeth out of the thing so that you can think clearly. As I counsel couples and families and individuals and, and even my own issues in our own family, I notice that half the battle is taking the terror out of the situation, taking the unbelief out of the situation, putting the thing on a different plane than it was before and uh, learning to live in that space even though you can't quite see the answer. And that's why he says here at the end, which is beautiful, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things.
That helps a lot too, right? See we're going, see where we're going? Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in practice seen in me, put into practice. So he's writing to the Philippians here. What had they seen him do in practice? In the bottom of a horrible jail, praising and worshiping God. That's what they saw him. So he's saying, See, whatever you've seen and heard from me, you do the same thing, right? Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And I want to just say this word about peace. It's not just emotional turmoil, peace. It's peace is a bigger word. Whenever you say the word shalom, may the God of provision be with you. Provision in your emotions and your heart, but also provision of everything. Everything you need. May God be with you. May the shalom of God. May there be peace on your finance, peace in your relationships, peace in your worries, peace at school, peace at work, wherever. God has this amazing ability to be with us. And if he's with us, that's all we need, right? Amen. Let's all stand. So if we have the worship team come up a little bit. One of the reasons why we do worship and have a response at the end of a message is it helps sometimes to actually put into action the very thing that I'm speaking of, you know, the very thing that we learn from the scriptures. So one thing that you can do with regard to this is think about the situation you're in that's not so great right now. And there'll be people up here, and if I could have the ministry team come up, ministry team for you that are newer just means people that are ready and available to pray for other people. And uh, the reason why we do that is because we found out that the invisible things of God change the visible things that are not doing so well. And God uses weakness to dismantle strongholds. So we've been saying all along that one thing that happens is you do thanksgiving and praise and worship God in the middle of a trial, there's things that change. But also, as we just read at the end, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so God gives us various provision points for getting through problems and difficulties. One of just to learn to worship and honor Him in the midst of suffering. Another is to actually ask for answers But he puts this other thing called the body of Christ in there, the family of God. And we're related by Jesus, the spirit that we carry. So we have this unique ability that he put in us to gather and pray for each other. So it's another way. So if you have a problem, you just think of all the ways you can have access to solve the problem. So the Bible lays it out. So I gave a few things today, right? Or in terms of your attitude, in terms of the way you present it, where you act to God with But one thing is just praying with another person. If two of you agree about anything, he said, I'll do it. So that takes faith, sort of like the sandwich in between. There's you and another person, then there's faith in between. And sometimes you would be surprised how simple it is for a person just to pray with you, and the change comes. I don't know why there's also grace when two or three gather together and pray, agree, So they'll agree with you about something. Simple as, you know, you need a new job. Simple as I I have a screaming backache. I have a situation at home that's not working out. Whatever it is. So Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. So we'd like to take advantage of that time in our worship and praise and honor and then literally asking God to move mountains, to change things, to rearrange stuff in Jesus' name. I hear the Lord speaking in my ear prophetically about various individuals here. I probably shouldn't say that now. I'll, maybe I'll go to you afterward. I really want to, but time's sake, I think it'd be better for us just to pray for each other. So, uh, and, and up here in the front. So I got all these anointed messengers here. So Lord, I want to ask you right now, as we end this service and we begin something else here in prayer, I pray God for every barrier, every mountain people are facing. I pray they could remember, Lord, the glory of giving thanks and praise to God. Whether they're at work, whether they're at home, or they're in church here gathered together. And I pray, Lord, on this particular Sunday, as we worship here with the worship band, 
and contemplate these things. I pray also that you would answer our prayers as we pray for one another. I pray when people just come as an expression of their faith and ask, they, they pray, it says, we're two or three gathered together, there I am in their midst. And if two agree about anything, he will do it. So that's part of the promise. So sometimes God lets us just get the provision through an agreeing prayer with someone else. So that's why we always pray at the end of our services. So Lord, as we either come up here, we stay in our seat to worship and listen to your voice, receive your presence, or whether we go, we just ask God that you would bless us. We thank you, Lord, for the power and glory of giving thanks to God. And I pray that we would carry that with us into this day and into this week and into this season. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a great week. If you had an encounter during this service, we would love to hear about it in the comments. And for more information, next steps, check our website out at vineyardallin.org. Thank you.